Why don't I pray for us? Can, can I get you guys to join me in prayer? Father, we thank you so much for this time that you've allowed for us to have as a community. Uh, Lord, it's unconventional. It's a little bit uncomfortable. But we thank you, Lord, that uh, even in such tough times, um, through technology, we are able to connect uh, online like this. Lord, I pray that, um, yeah, you would help us, Lord, to focus on, you know, what it is that we're here to do and who it is that we stand before today as we worship. And I pray, God, that you would, um, yeah, help us to give you um, God-glorifying worship from our hearts today. Won't you be pleased uh, with the worship and the service that we bring to you, Father God. I pray as we open up your word, that you'll speak to us clearly, uh, that you would speak to us powerfully. And that, Lord, for those who have never known you, that you might draw their hearts towards you by your spirit and your kindness, by your grace today, Lord, Father God. Uh, Won't you use me um, to be clear? And I pray, Father God, you'd, um, yeah, edify your church today and glorify your name. We commit this time to you. We confess we need you. And, yeah, we say we love you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Um, hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to church. Um, I know we can't. Can I just get everyone to wave to the screen just so that we know that you guys are there? Nice. All right. Um, thank you for coming out. Thanks for joining us online. I know it's frustrating um, and it perhaps a little bit fr- uh, frightening for some of us just with everything going on. Um, so before we go ahead with anything, I just want to quickly say uh, if there's anyone who is struggling or, you know, um, just kind of finding it a little bit difficult in this season, please reach out. I would love to walk with you, pray with you and, you know, be your community, be your church around you. And so um, please reach out to us. Um, But also, um, even though it is online, I hope you guys can remember that, you know, we're here for the glory of God. Uh, We're here for the glory of God. We're here to worship the Lord. And so um, as we send the kids off, and I'll do that in a second, if you guys are in bed or if you guys are you guys have a meal in front of you or you know your posture right now is not you know in the place of worship i encourage you guys to get up and lean in and try and um even though it's a little bit weird with the computer in front of us really spend this time worshiping god with us but we are going to send the kids off in this time and so can we just get the kids or the parents uh just to break out the kids into either their breakout rooms or their separate devices um now and Again, we just want to thank the, um, don't press joint breakout room if you're not a kid. Uh, that's for you guys later. Um, Pastor Paul shared before, but we will have some time to just hang out as a community and um, and just chat about the message today and just catch up over Zoom. And so uh, look forward to that, please. But if you're uncomfortable, you can leave during that time as well. All right. I'm going to share my screen. There we go. Um, oh, I forgot to introduce myself. If you don't know me, uh, my name is Peter. And yeah, I am serving on staff at Kingsway. And yeah, I'll be sharing with you guys from the word of God today. If you are here for the first time, really welcome you. Um, and we're really glad to have you. And we hope to see you in person when we do start together again at church. All right, so we've been in the book of Mark the last few weeks, and um, we're back in the book of Mark in chapter three. So if you guys have a Bible, uh, can I get you guys to open up, please, to Mark chapter three? And the passage will be verse 20 to 35. Mark chapter three, verse 20 to 35. That's our passage for today. I'll read this first, and we'll dive right in to see what 
we can learn from the word today. Mark chapter 3, verse 20 to 35. My screen, there we go. Then he went home, this is Jesus, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed of Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and pluck goods unless he first binds a strong man. Indeed, he may plunder his house. Truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. Verse 31. And his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he said to them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Amen. The title for today's sermon is Matter of Life or Death. Now, did you guys know that there was a passage like this in the Bible? Um, that Jesus actually said that there is a sin that cannot be forgiven. Do you guys know that? And when you hear that, you might be thinking, well, but I thought the Bible said that everyone can be forgiven and saved, right? Uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that the good news that we hear about at church? Yes, absolutely yes. But there is a way that Jesus says you can be disqualified from receiving salvation. And not because God's grace is not great enough, don't hear me wrong, but really, and we'll see this again later, because our desire is not strong enough. And I hope that that scares some of us today, that there is such a sin. Because quite frankly, too often, we approach Christianity as this side hobby or side gig that we kind of add to our lives to maybe enrich the experience of life a little or to tick some moral box somewhere in our hearts. But we don't really take it as seriously as we would take our careers, our relationships, or our dreams, or our wants. And so as a result, some of us don't even know if we're really Christians or not right now. Some of us will be at church for years and suddenly decide one, one day, I'm not even sure about my faith. Some of us will comfortably come to church and visit church with absolutely no intention or desire to give any of this a proper go. And yet when we hear that you might not make it into heaven, we feel it's unfair to us. Friends, off the bat, let me tell you the, the point of my message today. Forgiveness is not automatic. Salvation is not automatic just because you're at church. There is a right way to go about it, and there is a wrong way to go about it. And this is a matter of eternal life and death. So we need to take it seriously. Now, conveniently, our passage, I think, shows us four types of people, four different types of people that respond to Jesus in different ways. And I believe all of us sitting here fall into one of these categories. And of these categories, there is only one 
uh, that marks truly saved people. But there is also one terrifying category that marks those who cannot be saved. And my hope and prayer is that as we look through these different people with different responses, that we would identify where we're at personally and have an honest moment with God today. Again, for it is a matter of eternal life and death. Let's jump right into the passage. And right away, we meet the first category of people who are those who have heard. In verse 20 21, it says this, then he, this is Jesus, went home. And the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him. For they were saying, he is out of his mind. So, so far in the book of Mark, Jesus has been doing his thing. He's been healing people. He's been casting out demons. He's been preaching the good news about God's kingdom and offering eternal rest to those tormented souls all around. And his ministry has actually built quite a lot of traction at this point. He's gotten really famous. If you read Mark chapter 1 verse 28, it says, and at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding Galilee. Everyone's hearing about Jesus, right? This message that he's preaching, the things that he is doing, and he's, he's gotten quite famous. Even in this passage today, we see how famous he's become. The people were swarming him and asking him to heal them and help them in some way, so much so that the Bible says Jesus couldn't even eat, right? Now, the thing about news that is spread through rumors and word of mouth is that our understanding of that situation can often be skewed because we're basing truth on just what we have heard. And that's what we see happening to the family of Jesus in this passage. They hear all the news, they hear all the hype, and based on that news, they decide Jesus has lost his mind. They make the decision to go and stop him or seize him, the Bible says, to arrest him, to calm him down because he's making a fool of himself right now. And let's remember, these guys are the people that lived with Jesus. These are the guys that grew up with Jesus, right? They're his family. And imagine your sibling or somebody that you grew up with suddenly, you know, you, you don't see them for a few years and you suddenly hear that they're telling people that they are the way to God's kingdom, right? It's absurd. And so with the little information that they have, and based on what they have only they have, they have heard, Jesus' family responds. He's out of his mind. He's gone crazy. And they go and try and stop him. And friends, this is the response of those who have only really heard about what Jesus is doing. It's confusing and it doesn't make sense. And there are many of us here today at church, visiting church, or here because, you know, our partner is always forcing us to come to church, who base our understanding of Jesus purely on the things that we have only heard about. Perhaps in a sermon once, or from a friend, or even from the children's stories that we have grown up with. So it actually doesn't make any sense to us in our hearts. And so maybe you wouldn't go as far as to say that Jesus is crazy, but to the call to live a life for this Jesus as a Christian, well, that does sound kind of crazy to you. Why would you sacrifice your time, your heart, your energy, your life, your Sunday for this Jesus that you've only really heard about? If someone did that, I think that would be crazy. And, you know, I think the funny thing is that those of us who have grown up in church since we were little are actually more prone to this than most. We were taught to pray before eating. We were told that Jesus is the son of God. We were in some ways programmed you're Christians, that you're Christians, that you're saved. But many of us believe this based on things we have heard from our parents and not have experienced for ourselves. And so there's no real conviction or understanding in our hearts. 
and therefore there is no substance to our faith. How many of us feel this way today? You look into your heart and you either have no faith or you have a faith that feels real empty and confused. And if this is you or I have good news for you guys today, you can be saved. You can be redeemed. God's grace and mercy is being offered to you in Jesus Christ today to not just hear about Jesus, but to actually come to know Jesus as your friend and as your savior. And if you do, what once seemed crazy in your eyes will only make sense to you. And here's proof. Acts chapter 1 verse 14 says, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. We see here later in Acts, Jesus' family worshiping, praying, and devoting themselves to God together. Why? Because what they had only heard about before and didn't make sense to them, they'd come to experience for themselves. So if this is you, I urge you and I encourage you today to approach God in prayer. Whether you've only recently started coming to church or you've been at church all your life, doesn't matter, approach God and ask him to show you perhaps again who Jesus is properly. God, I want to know Jesus for real. Show him to me. But not just that, go away and open the Bible and get to know Jesus for yourself. Go do some study before you make a judgment that Christianity is crazy and doesn't make sense. And I hope you would. Because even though you are not disqualified from salvation, for having only heard about Jesus, salvation is not automatic to you, for you, just because you're here, here at church. It doesn't just happen because, you know, if you're here a long time, it just, you know, you suddenly become, no, you need to come to, to Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would, that, that would strike a holy fear in your heart today, that salvation is not automatic for you. Friends, this is a matter of life and death. Let's take it seriously. Hearing about Jesus alone cannot save you, but by the grace of God, you can be saved today. Reach out to him. Next, let's see this, the second category of people. And they are those who have seen. Verse 22, and the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons, he casts out the demons. Okay, so it's one thing to say that Jesus is crazy because you don't really understand what you're hearing about him. But here we see the scribes who were the religious leaders or the theological giants or the social upper class. They're coming at Jesus with this outrageous claim that he is doing these things, the amazing things he's been doing by the power of the devil, that he's possessed by the prince of demons, Beelzebul. Jesus cannot be trusted. That's what they're saying. Now, there is so much can be said about this, but let's just identify why these people might be saying this about Jesus. Why, why not just call him crazy? Why not just say that he's a lunatic? Why go so far to calling him evil? And I think the answer is simple. It's because they've seen too much to deny the power of Jesus. If you follow the story of, the gospel, of Jesus in the Gospels, you will see that these scribes are always there. And the reason that they are there is because they are offended at the message of Jesus and so they are following him around to find fault in him, to find fault in his message, and to find to prove him wrong. But instead, what happens is they witness everything that Jesus is doing. They see him healing people. They see him casting out demons. They see him doing incredible things that cannot be explained. And so unlike Jesus' family, who have no idea 
Like they've only heard rumors and so they conclude Jesus must be crazy. The scribes don't have that option. They've seen too much, right? Jesus is clearly powerful. This guy clearly can do some things. You know, the things that he says he'll do, he does them. So he's not crazy. So then who is he? And rather than to call him Lord, these people, they decide to accredit the power to that of the devil. And again, I think the reason is quite simple. Jesus didn't look like the savior they were waiting for. Jesus, his looks, his methods, his teachings, it didn't suit them. It wasn't what they envisioned their savior to look like. So they decided that they would rather frame him as a liar than to worship him as Lord. They've seen what Jesus could do, but they couldn't accept who Jesus was. So they pointed a finger at him. And believe it or not, there are many of us here who are like this as well. We've done much more than hearing about Jesus. We've been at church. We've, we have knowledge of the truth. We've served. We've been involved. We've seen incredible things like saving lives and changing hearts. And we've experienced his power even in our own lives. And yet we're not satisfied because we want things our way. Our lives aren't going the way I wish it would. God's faithfulness doesn't feel faithful to me right now. And so despite all that God has done, I find reason to complain, point a finger, and say, God, what you're doing here, I don't like it. So you don't deserve my worship. And no, we may not go as far as to say that, Jesus, you are the evil. But we do find it easy to often say, God, you are not good. In our hearts, mostly, through our actions regularly, and with our lips occasionally. Brothers and sisters, is this you today? Does this describe the condition of your hearts today? Recognizing the power of God and yet refusing to give him appropriate glory in your life. If it is, do not fear. Because the good news is that forgiveness is available to you today. We won't go too much into it, but look at the response that Jesus gives to these scribes. Verse 23 to 26. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. Jesus shows these scribes how illogical their argument, their conclusion is. He's saying, if I was Satan, why would I cast out Satan's demons? Right? If I was Satan, why would I do the work that breaks down the kingdom of Satan? That makes no sense, guys. But then Jesus goes on to make a much more logical argument. In verse 27, he says, But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. He's saying then the fact that I'm casting out the demons of Satan's doesn't, Satan doesn't show that I'm possessed by Satan, but rather that I'm greater than him, that I'm strong. Right? He's saying, I'm Lord. And you know, sometimes I think that's all it takes. When we're having a moment of doubt about the goodness, the power, and the grace of God, when our hearts struggle to praise Him, to just sit, just to think and reflect for a second and ask ourselves, why did I first start following Jesus again? What things that God has done for me in his faithfulness and his grace to prove his power to me again and again and again and again in the past? 
Who deserves the glory in my life in, in this world? Is it me or is it Jesus Christ? And there, in that just moment of just thinking logically through why you are here and what you're here to do, we're able to find clarity for our souls. And with that clarity, we're then able to receive the forgiveness of God. As outlined in verse 28, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of man, and whatever blasphemy they utter. Brothers and sisters, have you found yourself or do you find yourself in a place where you have been struggling to see Jesus for who he is and worship him for who he is in your life, blaspheming against God? Despite the fact that you have seen what he can do in the lives of those around you and perhaps even in your own life, have you caught yourself doubting his goodness in your heart, through your lives and with your lips? Do not fear. For forgiveness is available to us, Jesus says. You may feel like you have fallen far away. You may feel like you have said things or done things that just, you know, wrecked God's view of you. You may feel unworthy. But look at the testimony of Paul, 1 Timothy 1. He says, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Brothers and sisters, our God is kind and his mercy is more than our sins could ever stretch. But forgiveness is not automatic just because you're here at church. Just because you call yourself a Christian, forgiveness is not automatic. I urge you today to come back to him. Repent and commit your hearts to him again and worship him for who he is, Lord and Savior. Think through why it is you came to, to believe in Jesus in the first place. Think through what it is God has done for you that, that excited you in the past and, and, and transformed you in the past. Think through, what am I here to do in this world? What am I called to live for? And in that, seek to worship him for who he is, Lord and Savior. And Jesus promises us that we will have the peace of forgiveness in our hearts if we come back to him because he is gracious. But then that begs the question, uh, what the heck is this unforgivable sin? And we see that in the third category of people. And they are those who have rejected. In verse 29 to 30, Jesus continues to say, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. Now, you may think that Jesus is saying to the, to the scribes here that they have committed the unforgivable sin. But in my studies of this passage, I found that Jesus isn't actually accusing them of having committed the sin, but rather he is warning them of the danger they face of committing this sin. Now, this can get really theological really quick, and I don't want to get super theological because it gets really confusing. I, um, as I was preparing for this, I was like, man, why did Pastor Paul give me this passage? But let me try to explain this as, as simply as possible. In the New Testament, there is a tension between the biblical truth that God will preserve his people until the end. An example is found in one, uh, Philippians 1.6. It says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that by his grace, once you're a Christian, once you have committed to follow God, God will lead you home. 
And in that, as Christians, we find a lot of peace, especially when we're stumbling, when we're struggling, we find a lot of peace. But there is a seemingly paradoxical truth in the Bible that warns Christians to hold on to their faith, to persevere in their faith until the end, or else you may not make it. An example of this is Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14. We have come to share in Christ, indeed, if we hold our original confidence firm to the end. It's contingent on the perseverance of the saints. Now, what does that mean? Can I lose my salvation? And biblically, the answer is no. So then what happens to all these people that decide to stop being Christian? And the answer to that question, I think, answers the question, what is the unforgivable sin? You see, there is a difference between a professed Christian and a genuine Christian. You may think you're a true Christian, but the moment you decide to walk away biblically, we believe you are never really a genuine Christian. And that is how we justify the tension between the theology of God's preservation and our call to perseverance. Okay, so let's go to the unforgivable sin. And I'll, I'll give you a quote from a theologian, Henry Alfred. He said this, he says, it's not a particular species of sin that is condemned, but it is a defiant act showing a state of sin, a willful determined opposition to the present power of the Holy Spirit. John Piper clarified this by saying that the unforgivable sin is not a sin that you commit, but rather an act that shows a sinful heart from where there is no return. And that is the act of walking away from God, despite the fact that you have understood him for who he is and have seen what he has done through his Holy Spirit. With the knowledge of salvation found in Christ alone in your hearts, if you decide to actively reject and walk away from this truth, then by Jesus' standards in this passage, you have committed the unforgivable and eternal sin. Why? Not because God will not save you. Not because God's grace is not good enough. No, rather because you have decided that you do not want to be saved. And a heart like this is unwilling and therefore unable to repent and believe. That is my really simple way of trying to describe the unforgivable sin. And that is what Jesus is warning the scribes of here. They haven't committed it, but they have knowledge. They have seen who Jesus is and they have seen what the Holy Spirit can do in in and through Jesus to save people. And yet they're rejecting him. And if they continue to reject him, then they endanger themselves from hardening their hearts from receiving salvation ever. Now, believe it or not, this passage is meant to scare us. Rather, I think it's actually meant to comfort us. Because if you hear this, and if you are worried in your heart that you might have committed the unforgivable sin, if you hear this and you go, oh man, like, I hope that's not me, that's proof that you haven't committed. Because you can. Because salvation still means something to you. You see, if someone has committed the unforgivable sin, they completely reject it and turn their hearts from God, a message like this would mean nothing to them. It would cause no alarm in their hearts. To be honest, they wouldn't really be at church. But the fact that you care, even if it's a little bit, even if it's like a tiny bit in your heart, that's like, oh, I wonder what that is. It should comfort you because you are still within the realms of God's grace because you have not rejected salvation. And so to quote John Piper again, 
We need to quote John Piper at least twice in, in Kingsway sermons. Um, I'm just kidding. But to quote John Piper again, it says, if by God's grace you can repent today of your sin, do it now because you may not be able to do it tomorrow. If you, if you feel something as you hear this and, you, and there's something that concerns you or worries you about, oh, maybe I'm not in the best place right now, deal with it. Sort it out. Do something about it. Because when you stop caring, you won't be able to do anything about it. Don't be alarmed, friends. Just repent today because you can. And if you do, you'll join the fourth category of people in today's passage, those who are truly saved and they are those who believe. Let me finish with this. Verse 31 to 35. And his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him. And he said to them, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he said to them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. So we meet Jesus' family again here. Remember, they, came, they left to go and grab Jesus to stop him, to calm him down. Now they've arrived. But when Jesus hears that they have arrived, they're here, he says something that sounds quite offensive. He says, who are my mother and my brothers? Now, Jesus hasn't forgotten who his family is, nor is he saying that family is not important anymore. He's rather trying to make a point. that There is a relationship that is greater than the familial bonds of this world, and that is a relationship between God and his people. And that is why Jesus says, you guys, my people, my disciples, you guys, you who do the will of God, you are my family. And what is the will of God? John 6.30, for this is the will of my father that, Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. Brothers and sisters, eternal life and salvation is being offered to us today by the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are to partake in this promise of the gospel, to be a part of this heavenly family, you will need to do more than just hearing about Jesus. You will need to do more than just seeing what He's capable of. You will need to do the will of God to look to Jesus and believe in him, believe in him as your king and as your savior. And if you have never done this before, I pray that you would do so today. For it is a matter of life and death. And if you have done so, if you are a Christian today, let this passage remind you. That it is not because of your religion that you are here. Look at the scribes. And it is not because of any background advantage that you are here. Look at Jesus' family. No, it is purely by the grace of God because you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ that you are here today. I pray that you'll be reminded of this truth. How lucky you are to believe, to to be saved. That God gave you faith to to understand, recognize your sins and and come to him and, and ask him for salvation. And I pray that you lean into Jesus with thanksgiving and praise and worship and glorify him for he is gracious, for he is kind, for he is loving and for he is good today. And I think particularly as we go through this difficult season where a lot of things kind of are thrown up in the air, I think as Christians, we should look to Jesus. We should look to the father and find stability, find peace, find joy and find strength in him. And I pray that Kingsway would do so together, um, even in this t- season, um, as we end and continue to seek to love the King 
and live his way in, in this time. Amen? Amen. I, I believe you guys said amen. <laughs> All right, so like we said at the, at the beginning of today's service, um, because we're on Zoom, uh, we wanted to do things a little bit differently, take advantage of this space so, um, and break you guys up, just have a, few, a little bit of a chat together. Um, here is the discussion topic that suggested you don't have to talk about this, um, but you know, if you guys want to, um, if you feel led to, I encourage you guys to talk about, you know, where are you guys in your faith today? Just have an honest chat about your faith, um, any struggles that you can share about your faith in the past or currently right now. Um, I encourage you guys, we'll give you guys 15, maybe 20 minutes, depending on time, um, just to discuss, encourage each other. And if you have time to pray for one another as well. If you are in the room with somebody that you've never met before, I encourage you just to kind of get to know them and, and, and how they found our church and um, yeah, just kind of share life with them as well. That'd be really great. But we'll bring you guys back. And then we'll have some announcements and then we'll sing and close off our service together. All right. Cool. All right. I think someone's going to break us up into rooms. You'll get prompted. Click join breakout room and you should be found in a room with somebody. <laughs>